Mirmani Press presents Death Donor by Matt Ward. More information on the author at mattwardwrites.com to purchase the complete audio adventure or to download the entire techno-thriller free with a free trial of Audible, visit deathdonor.com. Samantha. Around the conference room, immortal men and women assembled at the hieroglyphic stone table in the underground bunker of Home Base One, their projected holograms beaming from similar ultra-compounds around the globe. My boss, Mr. Ethan Anderson, the tall, tan, 45-year-old founder of Defying Death Industries, DDI, sat at the center of the Egyptian room, sharp blue eyes emanating competitiveness as he explained the new legal ruling, DDI's double infinity logo rippling across his chest. It means we're going to have to source donors elsewhere. Inventory will price us out otherwise. There's plenty of bodies in Africa. I sent a strike team the second the news broke. But boss, the man across the table began, wouldn't patients need to fly there? Ethan shook his tough guy head. That's an option, but a few competitors have set up holding base stateside. That's our cheapest option, a lockup. It's better than enlisting more American donors, minimum age and payouts being what they are. A few nods. Killing that many Americans would cost a fortune. Besides, stock's up 20% this quarter alone. Market loves us. Who cares if life donors aren't local? We've added more quality years and saved more lives than anyone, except maybe SLI. And it's not like we'll face any ball busters. Half the senators and congressmen are lifelong customers, even the president herself. Screw the stock, Ethan. It's protests we're worried about. Protests come and go. Not like this. If more Americans starve because they're not getting death donor spots, that could go viral. The word catastrophic comes to mind. It's not our fault they're unemployable. And let's be real. Who actually cares where the dead schmuck on the slab next to them is from when they come to after a rejuve? People just want to live longer and feel great. The cheaper, the better. He was right. The people had spoken. That may be, the woman said, but you need to keep local donors happy. Why? Hadn't she seen lines wrapping the building day and night, donors begging for a few thousand? Ethan seemed to agree and laughed. Supplies through the roof, and once we expand, it'll drive prices further down. Donors have zero leverage. You'd better be right. He smiled. Have I ever been wrong? The meeting wrapped after each of DDI's heads reiterated their action items and the company's cheesy mantra, live long, prosper, and profit. Once they'd left, Ethan rose, pacing. Fifty-five million unnecessary deaths a year, he said to himself. I was a statue at my post, my back to the Anubis door, despite everything being locked down. This was the sub-basement of Ethan's favorite home, equipped with state-of-the-art sensors, an army of weaponized drones, a dozen attack dogs, and a three-meter concrete fence surrounding the five-acre property. Money had its perks. Without warning, like most things Ethan did, he spun and left. I followed at a distance. Like an apex predator, he liked his space. I could relate. We took the reinforced lift to sub-basement one, and Ethan beelined for the kitchen. 
His triple espresso-infused smoothie was on the obsidian countertop. He downed the disgusting, optimized weekly brown slop in three gulps before Maria, the mouthy Argentinian who did Ethan's red meats, and probably a lot more, emerged from the far pantry. Darren would say she was a looker if he was with the guys, but I'd kick his ass and he knew it. My shift ended four hours later. After a brief report to Mr. Anderson and his head of security, Vlad, I was more than ready to leave. Three lifts later, I arrived topside two, sun blazing my eyes. That had taken getting used to. The security chip in my palm opened automatic double doors as I strode through the first parking garage checkpoint. A combination of gate analysis and biometric sensors, along with Quinton's OK, let me pass to the waiting Tesla at the staff self-driving section. The scratched-up, dinky two-seater opened, and I hopped in, laid back, and closed my eyes. Long day. Time for a slog home in Atlanta rush hour. My seat buzzed as we reached my street, and I tapped my temple to activate my high-end display, a perk of the job. A dashboard appeared in my AR lens contact retinas, an entire operating system and all the world's information. It was 5.45 p.m. Shit, Darren was going to kill me. The car dropped me in the gravel driveway of our two-story suburban rinse-and-repeat home. No used needles on the sidewalk or missing persons signs, that was a plus. But the darkening stain on the water-damaged front porch looked worse. Avoiding the creaky step, I grabbed the newspaper the city insisted on wasting valuable tax dollars to produce— and stepped into 105 Abbott Street Southwest. Another violent riot in San Francisco's slums, Amazon's profits hit an all-time high, and a ridiculous report on same-race death donors increasing efficacy, something to do with genetic similarities. As if dicing the brains and organs of a Caucasian would be any different than an African or an Asian, Ethan would be furious. There was still a dent by the weight rack from a similar story two years ago. Not that it mattered. I had twenty more years on the job before I'd earn our death insurance. At least that'd buy me more time with my little girl, Malia, if I made it that long. But guard duty for Ethan was low-key and paid enough to keep the hospital loan sharks at bay. Oh, you're home. It was Darren, brown hair swept back, face a dimpled smile. Forgot it's Wednesday. Plopping a wet one on him, I dropped my messenger bag on the whitewashed linoleum of our cozy-at-best-sized home, the best we'd ever be able to afford despite my lofty salary. Even in death, Darren's mom strangled our life. Why'd I agree to those last-ditch treatments? We'll be paying off the debt from now to eternity. We still on for tonight? I asked. He shrugged. You sure you want to go? Was he kidding? We hadn't had a real date in ages, not since Ruby Tuesdays, which almost shouldn't count. It's our anniversary, babe. Thirteen years today. To think I almost didn't go to that army ceremony. I hadn't thought about Saudi in years, repressing everything. That's what the psych said after my one and only appointment. You're right, he said. I'm pissed, that's all. Uh Uh-oh. 
He'd always had swings, and his mom had been on SSRIs forever. Taking his wiry shoulders, I guided him to the beat-up blue couch in our little living room. It had been a wedding gift. What's up, baby? Everything okay at school? He shrugged. I mean, these kids. A sigh. The prospects aren't great. What could I say? He was right. DDI is always hiring, I said in what I hoped was an encouraging voice. Broke 20,000 refreshes last year. Companies swimming in cash. If only Darren and Malia could get moved up the list. I know, it's just... The door creaked open. Hey, Malia, that you? Yes, Mom. Here come the sassy teenage years, and she was eleven. It felt like yesterday. I touched my iron-forged stomach. Can I sleep over at Karen's? She walked into the kitchen, opened the fridge, and groaned. Payday wasn't until Friday. No, baby, it's Wednesday, I said. You can't spend the night. Milia stepped through the opening and rolled her eyes. Dad, can you help me with my math homework? We're doing Southern Slave Trade Economics. I'm having trouble. I rose. That was my cue. This new AG teaching was beyond me. Walking into our Ikea basic plastic and plywood kitchen, I grabbed a cup and turned on the tap. At least the filter worked, making the sludge drinkable. Remember to check Sunday. Didn't need Malia getting sick again. An hour to kill. Opening my AR lenses, I outlined a rectangle on the flimsy table and a virtual keyboard materialized. In a new browser, the New York Times appeared. NYC protests over donor compensation, Africans undercutting the market. At half past six, Darren appeared in a pullover and slacks, messy flop combed into something presentable. Finally, Standing room seats filled fast, and we couldn't afford guaranteed ones. He'd be so disappointed if we missed the movie. Ethan. It had been another one of those days. The stock, on a tear for years, had taken a nosedive. The pseudoscience bullshit was killing our image on Wall Street. Envisioning Sun Lee's smug face and fake deferential smile as he beat me by two fucking points on our first applied genomics exam, I slammed the heavy bag one last time. The move to Tunis was the right one. It was close enough to Europe for fly-in treatments. Plus, we could use 17-year-olds there, not the absurd 18 limit here. Cells should have better performance and longevity. We needed a cheaper price to stay competitive. Stripping, I walked naked through the fitness center to the heated sauna at the back. I cranked it to 180 degrees Fahrenheit and meditated 15 minutes, no longer. Learned that lesson years ago. A 90-second cryo shower and jeans and a tailored blazer made me ready for date night. Back to the elevator, Boris at my six, an invisible ghost watching my back with those hard Russian eyes. We rode in silence. A lean blonde stood at the far side of the living room by the fireplace in a scandalous blue dress. Which one was this? Tira? Or was tonight Yasmin? Didn't matter. The fireplace brought it all back. All those nights, Bobby, Mom, and I cuddled to stay warm. So much had changed. I couldn't be alone again. 
Not tonight. Ms. America was examining my prized possession, the Peter Clay's masterpiece, bleached skull beside a dying wax candle in misty fog. She recoiled at my constant reminder of the horrors of death and my mission to conquer it. Why, hello there. I strode forward. I'm Ethan. Welcome to my home. We made idle chit-chat until Boris reappeared, leading us past the grass tennis center to the southernmost landing pad. Gonzalez sat in the VTOL's cockpit, checking knobs and switches. He was the best money could buy, ex-Columbian special forces after a career running cartel shipments. The big Colombian gave me a grin. We lifted off, vertical takeoff and landing, and raced over Atlanta's burgeoning skyline toward DDI Arena and the Knicks. We landed at the Elite's entrance, and additional security led us to my tank-tested owner's box. The party was underway, bottles out, hors d'oeuvres covering mahogany buffet tables, tuxedoed waiters with polished deference. You only live once. <laughs> Senator Evans caught my eye and signaled me over. She was dressed in a becoming pantsuit, matching Prada real leather purse and blood diamond earrings making a statement. She was on several oversight committees. Her next DDI Christmas card should have a matching necklace. You look lovely, Zara. I offered a hand. She rolled her eyes and gave me a hug. Always so formal, Ethan. A handshake won't do, not after you reverse those wrinkles. She added in a whisper, five treatments he's done for me. She smiled at Isabella, even before I was elected. Worth every penny. I'm just glad you got re-elected. Saw a few bills you're working on. Couldn't have written them better myself. Speaking of, I need to talk to Senator Hayes. He's supposed to do something about those news stories we talked about. Don't let me keep you. Besides, I've got a beautiful woman to take care of. I put my arm around Isabella's recently rejuved waist. The game tipped at 7.30, and the night passed in a blur of cannabis, microdosing, and excitement as the Hawks beat the Knickerbockers 101-97 in a nail-biter to squeak into the playoffs. Buying the team was a good idea. Sam. Just Sam. The next morning was brutal despite only a bottle. I rolled out of bed to a hangover and hurried to pee. Thursday, my turn to make breakfast. Stumbling to the kitchen, I slapped my face and filled Old Faithful. The sputtering Nespresso machine hissed to life. A moment later, coffee. That was more like it. The fridge was a sorry affair, but it was almost Friday. Bacon and eggs would have to cut it. I guess I'd eat at work. A door creaked open as I flipped the eggs. Soft footsteps scampered my way. Hey, Malia, hurry before Dad's up. Wooly Socks skidded to a sleepy hug from behind. How was last night? Did you two have fun? I told her about the movie, some chick flick. Darren's idea thought I'd like it. Men were hopeless. A poor Indian girl and e-commerce billionaire that run off to VR. Really? She rolled her eyes. Lame. Mommy's little girl. I flipped the bacon, stomach rumbling. You know your dad, always the idealist. An idealist, that right? Darren laughed as he walked into the kitchen. You used to be an idealist yourself, before the war. 
Who wants eggs? My hand quivered as I changed subjects. I'd never told either much about Saudi Arabia. Good men and great friends traded for a few barrels. Henry had been nineteen. As they left for school, Malia asked, Can we volley later, Mom? Coach said I should practice setting and digs for the game. Sure, baby, after your homework. You'll have time tonight, she pressed. You won't be late again? Again. Guilt racked me as she gazed up. I promised to do my best. Only one crazy jumped on the car on the way to work today. Nothing to stop my documentary about. It was a good one. The military coups in Italy and India after the UN's legalization of life extension, L.E., even governmental religious alliances couldn't stem the tides of L.E. Before I knew it, Ethan's towering white complex came into sight. Rogers would be reviewing my security clearance. At the halfway point, the doors opened and I exited. The car backed out, rejoining the city-sponsored pool as Rogers greeted me with a wink. The hairy hulk of a man with a scar below his eye smiled, flashing two chipped teeth and gums that never got the memo on smoking. How was last night? He asked with a Boston-twanged smirk. Watch it, big boy. I hurried to check in with Vlad, who was in the command center, a dark room of desks, two pots of coffee, and testosterone enough to impregnate a grizzly. The pale Russian with the inverted hammer and sickle on his chiseled forearm sat in his haptic chair, hard eyes monitoring fifteen virtual screens in his augmented view. Ethan's been waiting. Haven't you seen the news? He asked. Yosemite room. Two minutes later, I was outside the oak-paneled door. A soft knock, and I entered. Ethan was half-seated at the head of the table, ready to pounce, three life-sized holograms projected in the seats nearest him. Is this a joke? Ethan snapped. Tell me this is a joke. The dark-haired woman next to him pursed her lips. We are not sure. It's only the New York Inquirer, but there have always been rumblings from the church and conservatives. But raising donor age is rumor at best, he asked. Better be. I needed this job. Without it, how long till I was in line, healthy cells the last things I could sell to feed Malia and Darren, all so some pretty in pink could smooth her damn wrinkles. My skin crawled. The woman nodded. According to the journalists we talked to... Good, Ethan said. I want that report in my inbox tomorrow evening. That was that. After the meeting ended, Ethan strode to the door. Oh, Jones, you're here. We're going to the office today. Something came up. Can you arrange transport and security? I sprinted off. Six minutes and three rushed calls later, we were in the air. Ethan double-tapped his ear, activating internal headphones. What's the situation in London? He listened for a second. I loved London. HB3 was my favorite of Ethan's compounds, the bustling city, British accents, and occasional United Games a great change of pace. You're saying it could be the Chinese? Ethan asked, eyes narrowing at the mention of Sun Li and Shanghai Life Industries, SLI. Trying to short our stock? Shit. How liquid is the market? A pause. That dirty bastard. Do you have any sources inside? Ethan curled his lip. Find out what you can. He swiped to kill the call and made three others like it as we zipped towards DDI's downtown headquarters, 
landing on the 70-story megalith ten minutes later. The egos of some men. Fancy company execs waited as we touched down. Mr. Anderson, it's good to see you. The suits made their best ass-kissing faces and led Ethan to a waiting elevator through blue-carpeted halls and past dozens of newspaper clippings and civic awards he and the company had won over the years in the fight to cure aging. Even a picture of Ethan with a bespectacled Dhruv Patel, the Georgia Tech genius who pioneered the Nobel Prize-winning breakthrough, Recombinant Target-Specific Tissue Engineering, RTSTE, something to do with injecting processed, metabolically healthy donor stem cells to reset mitochondrial mutations and clean out cell waste, or something like that. Ethan had explained it at least a dozen times, given me a copy of his book, too. Still sounded like a word jumble. The boardroom door opened to an army of arguing red-faced C-suites and their underlings. Ethan stepped in, and silence fell as he jumped into a signature Hellfire motivational. No one said a word as Mr. Charisma outlined his vision for the company, ridding the world of death and suffering, and the results they were on pace to hit. No wonder he earned the big bucks and I was stuck at the door. Toward the end, a hand in the back went up. The guy, whose age was impossible to guess, eyes suggesting eighty as his broad back and smooth skin pointed younger, said, Ethan, where do we stand with New York life? Are they pushing for price parity? Ethan nodded a half-smile. Want us to go down to $125,000 per. In exchange, they're willing to make DDI their exclusive partner. That's at least $10 billion a year. If these stories about 22-year-old donors are bogus, the man remarked. What was his name again? His dystopian eyebrows and creeper eyes always distracted me. They are, Ethan said without hesitation. The last three scumbag analysts I talked to thought this was a ploy by Lee's folks. Any other questions or things to discuss? No one said anything. Let's wrap this up. The others repeated the corny company mantra and one by one sidled out of the 66th floor conference room. Ethan's unrelenting mockery of superstitious fate. Men. Once they'd left, only Lee Na remained, DDI's sharp-elbowed CFO, nicknamed the Eraser for her ability to make the numbers work. Seen the figures from Barcelona? She asked. God, Barcelona. It had been forever. Was a trip in the cards? I wouldn't mind that. Ethan shook his head. You should, she continued. A quarter of patients are demanding same-race donors and willing to pay more or go elsewhere. Have you looked at donor markets? They are pricing Croatians and Albanians three to four times higher than Ethiopians. If we lose clients to Beyond Human or Google Life, we could be in for a stock hit. Wait, a stock hit? Those options were a third of my salary. And Darren's job was a joke. Shit. Was she serious? Ethan rolled his eyes. The science is clear. There's no correlation between... It doesn't matter, Lee cut in, voice rising. It's public perception. Numbers don't lie. Damn. We were struggling to get by as it was. Darren had always said to take the cash. Okay, Ethan said without skipping a beat. I'll deal with it. The meeting ended, and before the next one, Ethan looked up. Sam, I'm going to need you to stay late tonight, okay? Shit. 
I agreed and stepped into the hallway to let Darren know while Ethan hopped on a call with his fixers. He wouldn't be happy. Turning down the empty hallway, I enjoyed world-class views of the tent-free blossoming park and lofty skyline below. Must be nice. Hey babe, how's work? I asked as soon as his face appeared in my overlay. I'm glad you called. I have to stay late tonight, parent-teacher thing. You need to be there when Malia gets home. Crap. Opening the door, I laid a paper protector on the seat. I can't. Something came up. Boss is freaking out we're at headquarters. He winced. What happened? Everything okay? Look, I'll tell you later. Malia should be fine for a couple hours, right? His eyes flashed disappointed daggers. Samantha, you promised. We need this, babe. We can't afford to lose this gig. Especially after what your mom saddled us with. My stomach tightened. Mom of the year, here I come. I'd make it up to Malia tomorrow. Okay, Sam, but promise you'll call her. I won't be out until seven. I promised and clicked off, finishing my business and hurried back. Ethan never stayed late. You have been listening to Death Donor by Matt Ward. For more information, to purchase the complete audio adventure, or to download the entire techno-thriller free with a free trial of Audible, visit deathdonor.com. <laughs>